how many here do movie pass? How many of you did movie pass? <laughs> it is a dying thing. It's really sad. Um, this summer, I, I love movies, and I've really gotten my money's worth out of movie pass. And, and, uh, but I, I went to see Mission Impossible twice, and both times had to pay for it unexpectedly. But I, I, I love the Mission Impossible movies. Say what you will about because I was on movie pass, and they, it's, a, it's a whole thing. And like they just sometimes will let you use it and sometimes won't. But say what you will about Tom Cruise, but he is just so darn likable. And I love Tom Cruise movies. Like he's got quite the catalog and it's hard to find a bad one. I'm sure there are some out there. But I love the Mission Impossible movies, minus one and a half of them. Um, and, and I saw them this year. And, I, and there's just something stuck out to me. You know, it's kind of, the, there's a, it's, you know, it's, there's nothing surprising about Mission Impossible. It's just what happens is new, but it's all the same. But I love every time it's like, you know, your mission, so you choose to accept it, and everyone else is like, e- e- there's no way Ethan's going to accept it. There's no way he's going to do that. There's no way he's going to do that stupid thing that's crazy and is impossible. And yet, e- every time, Ethan accepts the mission, and he puts it all on the line, and he does it, and he does it. And, and what I love about that is that Ethan Hunt always accepts the mission because it's just who he is. And you kind of see that over and over again. It's just who he is. Like, there's just no other thought in his head. Everything else comes second. The mission is first, and he always accepts it. And today, I hope that we see that we have been given an impossible mission as the people of God, the people of Jesus, as the people called to his purpose. And when I say that, I say it's impossible because it's eternal, because it's way beyond us. And so I hope today that we see that that, that we've been called to an impossible mission, but at the same time, that we cannot help but accept it because of who we are in Christ. Um, you know, and when we think about this mission, this, this call, this purpose of our lives that we've been given, it is the work of seeing the missionary heart of God expressed in this world through us, through us being a part of God's desire to redeem all of creation. That's, that's our opportunity. That's our mission should we choose to accept. And, we, and I hope today that we see that it really isn't a choice. If you have called on Christ, if, he, if you are claimed as his, that you would see that it really isn't a choice. Just like with Ethan, it's not really a choice. So this, this mission is bringing hope to the hurting, is bringing joy to the destitute and oppressed, is, is bringing belonging to the outcast and the rebel. So with that being said, let me pray and we'll get into our text for the day. God, I am humbled by your love. I'm humbled by the call that you have put on us first in restoring us in relationship with you in Christ and then also calling us to purpose. Whether this life that we've been given is is one of, of, of great purpose. And Lord, I pray that you would incline our hearts and our minds and in the work of our hands, Lord, to you now. So let us see that it... If we call on Christ as Savior, if we say we are yours, if we say there's an affection in our heart for yours, for you, that it really is, isn't a choice. Um, it's just natural. So, Lord, we love you. We surrender this time to you. Speak through me. Speak in spite of me. Whatever it takes, take the words that come from my mouth. Catch them afire by your Holy Spirit that we could be transformed for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew's, Matthew 4. We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 22 kind of as our, as our root passage for the day, but we're really going to be all over the place. Um, so uh, you can, you know, as far as avoiding the Bible drill thing, you can either just follow along on the screen or if you use the YouVersion Bible app, uh, every verse we're going through today is in the YouVersion Bible app. Just go to, down to the More tab at the bottom, look for events, will pop up. If you want to do Bible drill, feel great freedom. If you know what that is, you, you don't have to stand up when you get there. Um, but just feel great. If you need a Bible and you want a, a physical Bible, there's one on the floor near you under a chair. And if you don't have one, please take that with you. That's our gift to you. Um, so, so we like to, just at the bridge, a couple of times a year, remind ourselves of, of why we are here. Why we, as the church, are here in this place. 
And make no mistake, that's by God's design, it's by his desire, it's by his will that we have been called together in this place, the space that we take up for this time. So why we're here, who we are, and what we do. Um, and so we call it Vision Sunday. It's a really fun name. Um, it sounds cool. But that's what. We, but we do it a couple times a year. Today we'll look at this account from Matthew where Jesus called his first disciples. So I'm going to look at that now, and then we're going to talk through this for a minute. We're going to really see the big picture of who we are and why we do what we do. So let's read this together. Matthew 4, 18 through 22. So it says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. He is Jesus here. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So hearing that and kind of thinking about vision and mission and purpose, should you choose to accept, you may think that I'm going to focus on the response of the disciples that immediately and immediately this, this, this without question, just dropping everything and following Jesus. And, and there, of course, is, is a lot to that, and that's something I hope we all have a, a posture of our hearts is as God says, go or come, we do so because we trust him, because we know he is good, because we know what he has for us is best. But today, I actually want, to, I want us to focus on the very call of Jesus and to see what it tells us about, again, who we are as his disciples as well as what our journey uh, will be. So we're going to look more at the call of Jesus and who that tells us we are and what our journey will be. So if we look at verse 19, it's short, but it is jam-packed. The verse gives us our definition of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. And first off, just the word disciple itself, it doesn't belong to Christianity. Um, disciple is just a follower, a follower of someone learning their ways and learning what they have to teach. So to be a disciple of Jesus means that we are Christ followers, just to make sure we all have a common understanding. So I want to also see this. When we think about disciple, you know, and, and being a Christ follower, we, we also want to see that this is also a call of just who we are and, and what our life is really about. It is to worship Jesus. To worship Jesus means that we are Christ followers, and to be Christ followers means that we're worshipers of Jesus. He is worthy, and that's why we follow. So we want to see that, and, and so to be a Christian is to be a Christ follower. It's not just someone who has a stake in heaven. We are a Christ follower as we place our faith in Christ. Um, it's, it's about much more than heaven. It's again, it's about this supernatural trust that results in this following of Jesus in every aspect of life. There is no nook or cranny hidden from this call or from this identity this, this is what Jesus says to the disciples in Matthew 4.19. So here we go. This is what we see, our definition of what it is to be a disciple and what the journey is. It says, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So we see this definition of disciple right here in this passage. It's a follower of Jesus resulting in a transformation of head, heart, and hands. So I want to walk through this real quick, um, kind of show, showing you what I mean by this and what, and what we're being called to in this. So we'll start with the head. So as we go, we see that we are a follower of Jesus, resulting in the transformation of our head. He says, follow me. We follow Jesus in belief and surrender. John 14.1 says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me before Christ, as we are in this world seeking, filling our way about in the dark, going through the calamities and the trials of this life, our hearts are troubled, our hearts are overwhelmed, our hearts are wondering, will there ever be relief? Our hearts are wayward, our hearts are not God's, and we see that he, he promises, believe in God, but not your, when, when we believe and trust, um, we see that, that we are given new hearts and our, and our trouble 
is, is we see the promise. Um, also, we see Romans 10, 9, and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And I know I'm talking a lot about the heart right now, but the head and the heart are linked, and we're talking about this idea of belief, this moment of recognition that Jesus is who he says he is. This is salvation. This is the moment that you trust Jesus to be all that he claimed to be, Messiah, Savior, Deliverer, and Lord. So this is where the journey of following Jesus begins. So again, even though the head and the heart are linked, we're talking about this moment of, of belief, of understanding, and of clarity. And just so, just so we are clear here, the journey of following Jesus begins here, but it's not, the, it's not when the journey of faith and pursuit begins, because before this, before you come to understanding and acknowledging Christ as Savior, we're seeking we're just not following, but we're seeking, and there has to be room for people seeking, because that leads to following. Um, so again, first we see with the head, we, we believe, and we see that our, our belief and our mind is transformed about who God is and who Jesus is. So that's the transforming of our head. And then next we see the transforming of our heart. And so and I will make you. We follow Jesus by learning foundational truth and taking on key habits of the Christian life, resulting in God transforming us from the inside out. Our heart is transformed. This, as, we, as we pursue now growing in Christ, understanding who he, who he is, and we start learning the, the, the full truth proclaimed in Jesus, all pointing to Jesus and fulfilled in him, and then what the life lived in and unto Christ looks like, although it's an external work, the greatest change is in our hearts. And again, coming back to that passage we just saw a second ago, um, that is, again, our troubled hearts are given peace, and that we see that we are now um, taking on this transformation, just like we see in Ezekiel 36, 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Psalm 51, 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew the right spirit within me. Matthew 5, 6, as we start thinking about the pursuing the life unto Christ, taking on the, the life given to live, the key habits and spiritual disciplines that, that do the work of transforming us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That is, that is this very real picture of I am pursuing to live a life unto God. We just finished, uh, we, we, not to say finished, we did a, a segment of a series on the spiritual disciplines this summer, which we'll kind of continue throughout the coming years, just kind of as we can. Um, but that's what this is all about, is the life lived unto God, understanding who he is and what our life is about. And then also this picture of this, Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So again, as we, as we go from just belief in this true, this, this saving faith of who Christ is and who and what our need is, we are then continuing in this journey as followers of Jesus taking on more of the life of Christ, as a disciple does. A disciple walks in relationship and proximity over time with their teacher. And in doing that, they don't just learn how to do what they do, but they actually become more like them. So we see that picture here. This is this word sanctification, if you've ever heard it. We are set apart for God, by God, in Christ but we're also being set apart. We're made new completely in Christ as our standing before God that we are made innocent, we are made righteous, but yet we are being made new. And so that's this picture right here, and it's a, it's a wonderful, life-giving, freeing, grace-filled truth as we walk with Christ because otherwise we would be ridden by guilt all the time, thinking I am never doing enough. But today we have the opportunity to live under Christ and to let him shape and lead us and transform our hearts as we continue so this is the journey of being transformed more and more into Christ's likeness. So we follow Jesus resulting in the transformation of our heads and of our hearts. And now we also see uh, the transformation of our hands. He says, I will make you fishers of men. So he says, so here we're seeing we follow Jesus by taking on his mission with our hands. We become more about what he is about. 
John 14, 12, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. John 17, 15, 13, Jesus' high priestly prayer, his prayer for the disciples that were with him and us, if you continue reading after what we have here today, this is his prayer for us that he leaves to us. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. He's talking about those who call on him, Christ followers, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So to be a disciple is to follow Jesus, resulting in the transformation of our head, hearts, and hands. So we see this holistic work, this all-encompassing reality of the work accomplished in us in Christ. So for the next few moments, I want us to look at how we here at the bridge pursue this reality together, living out this life under Christ, being transformed in our head, hearts, and hands. And we start just foundationally, we have nothing other to claim than what Christ claimed for us and what he gave us is what we would call the three greatest commandments. Two of them you may know as the two greatest commandments. The other one you may know as the great commission, but we'll call on the three greatest commandments today. Matthew 22, 37 through 40 says this, Jesus is replying to someone say, hey, you know, what must I do? He says, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And then the great commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Jesus came and said to them, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we're to love God, we're to love people, and in doing both of those, when we do that, it results in us actually living out this great commission to love God and to love people is to actually live in a way that is going into all the world, proclaiming the majesty of God, proclaiming the beauty of Jesus, proclaiming the hope that is in him, resulting in there being worshipers of God where there wasn't worshipers of God and him being glorified and called into following Christ. So this is, this is what we're about, and I pray this is what every church is about, right? Like this is, hopefully this isn't new if you've been in any other church. Hopefully this is what you've heard that they're about. Love God, love people, be a part of fulfilling this, this command on our lives to go into all the world, preaching the supremacy and beauty of Jesus, making disciples of all nations, and then following along and teaching them all that you have learned. So we want to be a disciple-making church, to be a disciple is to be a disciple maker. There really is no difference. And so we want to be a disciple making church if that's the command. And we would define disciple making as an intentional and relational process by which we engage people with the gospel of Jesus unto belief and equip the body of Christ for kingdom work. And so just notice the key elements. It's intentional. We are purposeful. We position ourselves, not not to make the whole world a project and some, some kind of contrived patronizing thing, but that we are intentional. We see the world as God does. We see the world through a biblical worldview, and we, and we realize that every opportunity and everything we do is an opportunity for the gospel. So we're intentional, and we're relational, and it's a process. So it happens in proximity of people over time, sharing life. So those are the key elements we need to draw into, and then of course, it is all about Jesus, and it's all about God's glory and his kingdom uh, coming. And so when we summarize that in our words, this love God, love people, um, be a disciple-making church, we summarize it this way. We commit to a journey of transformation together toward Jesus for the glory of God. And I'm not going to break that down piece by piece. You can go throughout the past years and look for our Vision Sunday sermons if you go in, our, in that category or just search that. And there's a couple that we just kind of walk through how that's a guiding statement for us uh, in a response to what we're given in, in, in the Word. But that's how we summarize that. We commit to a journey of transformation together toward Jesus for the glory of God. And that's not just the church together. It is us with the, with the world, because our opportunity is, as we pursue Jesus, we get to go alongside people, enter in just as Jesus did, and now say, hey, I want to, like, and as you just share life, as you pursue Jesus, they are confronted with grace. They experience truth and love 
and we don't have to require something of them that only Jesus can do. We let Jesus do the work, but yet we, we walk alongside. So that's, that's our hope. That's our picture. And so, um, you know, that's, that's who we are, and we want to think about how we do that. You know, what we do and how we do what we do matters. And our values that we kind of state, they build a common culture of how we do what we do. Um, so I want to walk through our core values real quickly um, and unpack a few things. And again, if you've been here since the beginning, I hope, I hope that you've heard this a lot. I hope you have. Um, but I also hope that it, it, there's something new and fresh or just a good reminder and this isn't a chance to you know, plan your lunch or anything. Um, but we start off just with li- that we, we commit to live in biblical community. You can go ahead and go to the next one there, Catherine. So we commit to live in biblical community. And we would summarize that by here. And if you've been, if you're one of those people that actually reads what we put on the screens before service starts, you may have read this before because it's been up for the past month and a half or so, kind of scrolling through with those colorful slides. Uh, it says this. This is, this is what we mean by this. Um, this is living as a family, journeying together toward Jesus with the posture of sharing life, sharing worship, and sharing service. So when we think about living in biblical community, we really see this described well in Acts 2.42. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So we really see these elements here that, that, that we need to be rooted in, in the teaching of the word of God. We need to be a people gathered together in, in honest, vulnerable, and accountable ways pursuing this together. So we see the, the pieces of, of prayer and of, and of intimate fellowship around the table. And, and again, that we know what's happening in each other's life. So this is a beautiful picture. And we're really pursuing kind of how do we get to lay this verse this picture over our lives, and, and specifically, collectively, if you are part of the bridge, how do we pursue this way of life together? So this results, they're described there in that summary, but here's a little Venn diagram to give you a picture of it. Like, this is what it looks like to be the church. We want to share life, share worship, sh- share service. So in sharing worship, I mean, it is pursuing Jesus together and letting him transform, but, but get, again, together, coming together and adoring God, together showing our affection for what has been done in Christ, together coming and discoursing over who Jesus is and the implications of the work he's done and how do we, and how do we live a life um, worshiping unto him together. So we see that we share worship, we share life. Again, it goes beyond just these moments. It goes beyond just our small groups, but that, that we have a, again, proximity and time shared. And so, again, that's vulnerable, and it's accountable, and you have to step into that. We, you'll hear us say something, uh, you know, know and be known. You've got to do the work, take the steps to, to know others and be known. And there's a risk in that. There's a discomfort in that, you know, on, on either side. But yet, that's our great opportunity here. And so we want to we commit to that and then sharing service. We want to serve one another. Um, and putting each other's needs above our own kind of sweet spot. And we also want to serve the world together whenever possible. And just a quick maybe thing to liberate some consciences in here, if that's a word. Um, there are some things that, we, that you step into that are of need and of serving that are better done by yourself. There, there are some things that are better done with a few. You know, and maybe that's the, those you're kind of walking alongside it, or maybe it's your small group. And then there are some that it's a great thing to bring us all together in. And I say that only because of the last few years walking through this, we kind of see these, these unnecessary burdens in any one of those categories. We're thinking, man, I, I tried to get a bunch of people to come and nobody came, when actually it may have been a better opportunity for you to do by yourself. And I say that just to say, like, be, 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 allow the Lord to kind of lead you in that and, and don't carry an unnecessary burden in that. But we do, we want to serve one another, putting each other's needs above our own sweet spot, and we want to serve the world together as the Lord leads and gives opportunity. So again, we want to live, that's living in biblical community. Those are the postures that it can, we, that, and that comes from Acts 2.42. Uh, our next value is living missionally to the community. And this comes from this kind of core conviction. Of, uh, uh, let me summarize this real quick. Living as a family, which we just saw, but it's also the and, this and living deployed from our neighbors to the ends of the earth for the gospel mission, understanding that every Christian is a disciple maker and every disciple maker is a missionary with a mission field to claim. And so 
we live as a family, we, we love life together, we are, we are fed and cared for, but at the same time, our hearts and our eyes are always out. We are, we're never in peacetime. Although we have peace with Jesus, our opportunity in this world is active, and the need in this world is active, and we are the ones that are meant to take the message of hope in Christ to this world. So we live as a family and deployed, and this is key. Every Christ follower is a disciple maker, and every disciple maker is a missionary with a mission field to claim, and we have to, we have to embrace, because like, think about this, like what, when you think about why you're doing this, if you are a Christ follower, if you're thinking about like, like what is this all about, I mean, this is it, like what, what other purpose are we still here for? If we are redeemed in Christ, why are we still here? We are here because he has, he has made it so that we are his means of bringing the message of Jesus to the world. So we are missionaries. We are meant to go where the need is. And I pray that our vision is this, thinking about where our feet walk, where we have influence, that our goal is gospel saturation. And we would define gospel saturation as uh, when every man, woman, and child have an encounter in word and in deed with Jesus Christ every day. Is that something worth latching on to? Does that seem like a worthy purpose of your life? Like, that, yes, let's go to work and work hard and grow to be better at our jobs and be better in our families. But yet, every one of those things is an opportunity to show the goodness and supremacy of God as his character shines through us. And so, and, and as we work, everything that we have is his and everything that we achieve is only an opportunity to once again exalt the name of Jesus. And so we want to see that we, I, I pray that this is something that just catches fire in our hearts as you walk out your door and you look to your neighbors that you, again, you, you, with great compassion, Jesus, often, you often hear about Jesus, he was moved with compassion. He felt it. It's an emotion, and it was so strong that it moved him to take action in a situation. I pray this describes us, and then as we step out our doors, go to our workplaces, go to our classes, wherever we are, this is what we see. And because it's identity, we don't have to go and like employ some tactic. We just need to offer up who we are in Christ. We'll talk about that more in a second. And we see this picture of gospel saturation in Romans 15, 20 through 24. It says, and this is Paul writing to the church in Rome. By the way, Paul's never been there. He's never been to Rome. If you don't know that, he's never been there. He has a lot of friends there. He's probably been very influential in the church forming there, but he's never been there. And he says, and thus... I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you, because this wasn't the case. There were places where I could go the gospel had not been made known, where there wasn't someone there living out their faith unto Christ for others uh, to come and see him. He says, but now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Do you get how insane that is, what he just claimed? And now, since I have no longer have room for this work here, since I no longer have room to go somewhere where I wouldn't be building on someone else's gospel foundation, I would love for that to be our problem. How cool would that be if that was our problem? If you're like, man, I, I want to go and I, wanna, I, wanna, I want to go and, and, and again, be the light of Christ somewhere where there is darkness, and yet, man, the Jacksons are already there. Or gosh, man, the U of H students are, are, are doing it so well, like, I, I mean, and they're, and they're raising others up, or, or, you know, I mean, just how cool of a problem would that be that we say, you know what, if I really want to go where the gospel hasn't been so, I, so we can build new foundations in Christ, I've got to go somewhere else. How cool would that be? And it's possible. It's not just a dream. It's not just idealism. It's possible. And there were far less Christians there then than there are now, by the way. So it's possible. Like, I, I, if I could get you to pray through one thing today when you leave, just think, pray through this and the implications and the possibility of this. What a beautiful vision. What a beautiful opportunity. So this is our goal. Like, we, we exist to glorify God, and we glorify God by, by being a part of creating worshipers of God where they don't exist. Again, we plant seeds, we water, but God does all the work, but yet we're a part somehow. How cool is that? 
that's a, I kind of want to stop. We got to get through the rest of everything that we do. Um, and, and, and we use this word missional here to live missionally to the community. And because it's kind of a buzzword and it's used in a lot of different ways, let me define it for us real quick. Missional is that we, we would say that we are intentional and strate- is our intentional and strategic effort to engage the world with the gospel of Jesus in word and deed. That's it. So again, it's a pretty wide berth because it gets to take shape and get flesh on because of the way that you live it in your life. And we don't have to define all of that for you. But as you are intentional, as you are purposeful and strategic, wherever you are to engage the world with the beautiful, liberating gospel of Jesus, when you do that in word and deed, that's what it is to be missional. That's what we mean. Okay, next, we also commit to live under biblical authority. What we mean by that is that it's, a, it's our joy to submit our entire lives to God's leading through his commands and teaching in all of Scripture, the Bible, as we have it here, because it shows us who God is through revealing his will and character, as well as showing us who we are and our purpose in this life. And I'll tell you, you, you want freedom to live out your convictions and mission, make sure they're rooted in the word. Make sure they're rooted in what God gave because then you've got freedom because you're like, hey, listen, my life is submitted to God and what he has claimed over me and over us is what I have said is good. It's what I know is good. Even if I don't quite get it, I trust him. It's like when we were talking to our kids this week about why you obey. You don't just obey to avoid consequences. Because what we know is that perfect love casts out fear because fear is to do with punishment. And because we've invited to re- been invited into relationship in Jesus because we're th- and we're there because Jesus took our guilt and he took our punishment, we don't have to fear that. And so therefore, let me get back on my train of thought. Therefore, can I get there? Therefore, it is our joy to surrender and submit to him because it is good and because he is good. And then as we live out our life of, uh, unto him and we find ourselves counter to culture, which, by the way, we should, we should find ourselves to be different. We're told, we're told that we are aliens. We can have confidence because it's not of our emotions, it's not of our intellect, but it's of the Holy Spirit given us to in his word. Okay. The word of God working with the Holy Spirit affords us true fellowship with the living God. True fellowship with one another. And man, I've been really convicted and encouraged by something Rosaria Butterfield uh, said recently in a podcast. She said, and in just thinking about how we go about this, we don't do this militantly. We don't do this, you know, abrasively. Being a people of the word and of the gospel, we should be we should be the most loving and humble and compassionate people. And however we deliver this conviction that we deliver, she said, Rosaria Butterfield said, We too often use scripture to end conversations when we should be using it to deepen our conversations. Do we listen well? Yes, let's be a people that joyfully submit to the full authority of scripture. But man, love God and love people. And all these other commands flow out of that. So let's live unto God, trusting his commands, surrendering our life, taking on those commands and those key habits, repenting and walking in obedience But yet as we walk alongside people that are seeking and that are hurt, that are lost, that have been wounded, let's do so with compassion and gentleness and patience and and generosity and listening well and saying, hey, I I hear you and and being humble and letting the word deepen our conversations and fellowship. And as we live under biblical authority, we find our opportunity to live in biblical freedom. Through the work of Jesus, we embrace freedom from slavery to our selfish desires. That's sin and death. It's our condemnation. And and then we are also free to go to any and all who need to see his truth and love. And and that is speaking of our, our spiritual freedom as we are redeemed and made new. Our penalty is paid, and we're restored and reconciled back to the family, but it's also our social freedom. And unfortunately, the church is too often drawn away from the place that it needs to be in, a, in an effort to keep itself clean. And Jesus did not keep himself clean. And we have that same opportunity. And then lastly, we want to multiply disciples of Jesus and also multiply churches. And catch this, as we live out these previous values, as we live them out, we will spread God's glory by cultivating and multiplying followers of Jesus who impact the world around them, resulting in the need to send out gospel communities, churches over and over again. And we send out churches for two reasons. One is that we have a people and we've identified a place where the gospel's not yet, and we want to get the church there. 
because, again, God works his, his work through the church. Also, we've got a people, and we don't have any room left to go where the gospel is not proclaimed, and we need to get to another place. So we, we see that as we commit to this, this is the output. And I want you to understand that. This is, the, this is not some growth model. It is not about us expanding our influence, but it is about this is what should be natural as we follow Jesus and live out his heart for the world around us. All of our work and striving is only supposed to result in one thing, as God being glorified. So, you know, we want to spread the gospel. Gospel just means good news, and we want that to be the good news of who Jesus is. Again, that there is a, there is a brokenness and a fracture of all relationship and all the earth between God and man, mankind and one another, and mankind and creation, and God is working to restore all that, and all that happens in Christ. That's good news. In Jesus, there is hope. There is peace. There is freedom. That's good news. For us to, to spread the good news, we need to be good news people, right? That's our opportunity. That's the work of this. That's the opportunity. And so that's that, that we are people that evidences the hope, joy, and peace, and courage, and humility, and patience, and the list goes on. And most of all, love of Christ. So that's, that's, that's who we are. That's who we've been given to be. That's the call in our lives is to follow Jesus and not just in some, some moral application, not just in some far-off promise that one day will come, but as in given a new identity and a new purpose to where as we surrender in belief, our minds are changed about who he is. Therefore, our, our minds are changed about what our life is about. Our heart is changed as we are transformed from the inside out, and our hands are changed is what our life is about, and the work of our life is about what Jesus was about. Um, I want to take a moment to give you guys a picture of what this looks like, what it looks like to, to disciple, what it looks like to share life, to say, follow me as I follow Christ. So I want to uh, ask Megan and Stephanie, Megan Reedy and Stephanie Jackson, to come share for a moment, and then I'll come back and close us. Good morning. I'm Stephanie, Megan, um, and we've been kind of just meeting together in a discipleship relationship for two-ish, three years um, and they wanted us to share what that looks like, how it kind of came about. Um, and in truth, uh, we were both pretty new. Or I mean, I'm a native Houstonian, but new to Houston, coming, moving back. And um, I've thankfully, for on my part, I've had a lot of people be really intentional with me through my walk with the Lord and just pour into me. So I've had that model. Um, but moving to Houston, you know, everyone, I'm sure it can resonate with you, like, we're just busy people. We've got a lot going on. Um, and then we moved to Houston, and our life just got even more intense and full than we could have ever imagined. But I just have seen how much I've grown when someone is pouring into me and someone is being obedient and saying, I want to speak truth into you, and I want to see you thrive because that's the call that's placed on my life. So I just started praying really fervently, um, like, God, I don't have time at all, but this time is not mine. Um, time is not linear with God, and he asks us to just give what we can and to offer it, and then he, I, I just knew he would stretch it and make it happen, and so we were in a small group together, um, and the Lord just kind of brought us in a place where we just didn't know a lot of people and brought us together in the fact that, like, your hearts are hurting, but we can love each other well. And so for us, we've, um, and then with other people, I've done books or I've just done, you know, like specific things, working with them on, like, maybe a skill set or something, something as simple as that, or just, like, since our life, ever since I've been a Jackson, it's been really colorful and so Megan has just been a lot of times along for the ride. And there are some times she would come over and my like hope would be to impart all this awesome wisdom and just love well. And it's like, I love that. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm talking to you and you've been here for 20 minutes and I just finally said, hey, sorry. You know, but just 
what that has looked like and what that's continued to challenge me is how do I have an open home? Um, how do I invite people into my life and, and just be okay with the fact that like our life does not always look pretty and it very often doesn't and being willing to be vulnerable and still just seeking how to speak truth um, and love well and like Keith has been talking about, you know, we've got this cost of becoming a disciple but then we take it a step further and we're called to invest in people. And so for me, having to pray through that disciple making of if I feel like I don't have time, then what am I spending my time on? And is that life giving? Um, and just wanting that to be a part of who I am and how I communicate that. So that's kind of been on my end of just really the challenge of like opening my home, opening myself when I don't feel like it, when I don't think I have time, when I don't feel like I have much to offer, but it's that call to obedience. And from that, there's so much life that comes from it. And then it, it just becomes sweet versus just a duty. Um, so that'd be my part. Um, yeah. So as Stephanie had mentioned, I was also new to Houston and um, my walk with the Lord started when I was 19. And I was very fortunate as well to immediately have a mentor um, in college. And she was actually head of the college ministry. So and I lived with her and her mom my last semester of college, which was awesome. Um, and so when I moved to Houston, I just craved so much that mentorship because I was still just such an infant when I first found the Lord and still was just like, oh, what does this new season of life look like? And how am I going to gain friends? And what does that look like? Um, and just prayed so intently that the Lord would bring someone alongside me in that. And I was pretty lonely for six months and like it wasn't easy, but the Lord definitely was faithful to bring her into my life. Um, and just encouraging, as she said, like, it being less about formality and more about intentionality. Like, it does not have to necessarily be a study or something that is just a task that we check off, but it is truly life together and being intentional and asking, like, what are you struggling with? What is God doing in your heart? Um, what are things that I can be praying for? How can I serve you? Uh, and often, like she said, it was beautiful, and I'm so thankful that she was vulnerable um, and allowing me into times where, like, it's just life and like marriages aren't perfect and children aren't perfect and houses aren't always clean. Granted, she has an awesome marriage, awesome children and an awesome home. <laughs> um, but just like that life doesn't always look perfect and inviting people into the imperfections and seeing the faithfulness in the imperfections is how my faith grew. Like being a patient wife and being a patient mom and all of that, I learned not through the times that everything was awesome and beautiful, but through the spaces that she allowed me to enter into that weren't perfect and what that looked like. Um, and I was just so thankful for that. And I look at the life of Jesus and how he engaged with his disciples and he invited his disciples into doing miraculous miracles. I mean, casting out demons, helping the blind to see. Um, but he also invited them into like the Last Supper and before he goes into the garden, like telling Simon and James, um, man, I am weeped beyond sorrow. Like my hour is coming and this is hard. And so his walk through discipleship was just, here's my life. I am absolutely 100% in obedience to my father. Walk with me through that. Um, and we see Jesus's faithfulness in those times. And I have seen Jesus move in her and difficult times and has seen faithfulness. And my faith has grown because of that. Um, and sometimes it does look like I come in and she's got one kid in the bath and one's running around and I grab that one and we engage in that. And she teaches me what it's like to cook and what it's like to wash your children and what you should think about. And I'm like, oh, like those don't seem like things, but those are real things that are good. And how do we do all things in order to honor the Lord? Um, even like cooking and healthy and uh, cleaning your children, <laughs> you know, they seem so little, but we should do all things for the glory of God to honor him. And so engaging just in those spaces, um, was just so thankful for that. So yeah, it's been awesome. We're super thankful. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys. And what's really cool is, uh, um, they've been meeting together for a couple of years, two or three years, but Megan's not waiting until Stephanie's done with her. Uh, Megan's walking alongside 
other women. Uh, as she has grown, now she's imparting uh, what the Lord's done in her. So it's just a really beautiful picture. And man, if you've, if you've experienced that kind of relationship before, I want to encourage you to share that and do that, continue that with others. If you haven't, I know often it's, it's kind of either if you're someone that's been walking with the Lord for a while or you're, you're, you're new to your faith or you're still kind of seeking. Like, and by the way, this is not just for those who call on Christ. Like enter into this if you're, if you're seeking and you're still like, I don't know if I believe all this. This is a great space to enter into uh, this journey with others. But it is hard if you've never done it before. And I want to kind of liberate you kind of from the awkwardness because it it feels presumptive on both sides. If you're looking for someone to kind of come and speak into your life, it feels presumptive to say, hey, listen, I want your time in your life. Will you take some time to let me have you? And then if you're, if you're the one who is maybe mature, older, or whatever, it feels presumptive to say, hey, I've got something that you need. Let me walk alongside you. And let's just all recognize that there's a beauty to this. And to see that, yeah, like Stephanie's been pouring into Megan, but Stephanie's benefited so much from her time with Megan. And Stephanie's own deepening of her own faith comes from often the questions that Megan brings. And I love Megan because she's got questions. She, I mean... Like if, I, if I've heard one phrase in my four years of pastoring the bridge more than anything, it's like, Heath, I have a question, and it's been for Megan. <laughs> and I love it because it's sincere, and she's like, man, how does my life collide with the truth, and how do I, li-? anyway. So I know that that has pushed Stephanie deeper. So it's, again, it's, not, it's never one-sided, and it's not just a one-way exchange. Um, so, th- so I'm going to liberate you to you that. Also know that if you've never experienced that, our groups are a great place to be because as part of being in a transformation group, we're also working really hard to support this being a part of every one of our lives. So with that being said, thank you guys for sharing. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. So I want to close just kind of thinking about what's been described today. Uh, you know, this life that's been described, this community that has been described is only born out of the utter transformation that God accomplishes in us in Christ. So hear this. Our our life is not about our accomplishments for God, but rather living a life showcasing what God has accomplished in us through Jesus. So that's the opportunity. Earlier we said that Ethan Hunt always accepts the mission because that is just who Ethan is. Again, that's what we're talking about here. We do what we do because it's simply who we are. Gathering together as the people of God is part of our identity. We're given to us. We are always, the church is always plural. Participating in the mission of God in this world, proclaiming Christ, is part of our identity. It's what he came to do. In Christ, we're given a whole new identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. John 1.12, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So you may think Vision Sunday is about us, but it's not. It's about us reveling in the right vision of God every day. It's about us having a right vision of ourselves resulting in us being humbled because we see that that we are more sinful than we could ever understand. But also we are more courageous and confident because we see that we are more loved by God than we could ever fathom. That's the result. That's why we say it's just a natural expression of our identity. So you see, we can make the mistake of thinking that that our living out God's purpose or mission in this life is somehow our initiation. That If we live it out, then we get initiated. That could not be farther from the truth. Let us not forget that God called us, and he restored our relationship, he redeemed our penalty of guilt, and that he stooped down for our sake. Look at Jesus. what Jesus did in this passage we looked at today in Matthew he didn't get up on some mountaintop and preach and say, all who are worthy come to me. He went down to the waterside. 
he went to where they were and he, he called and he came alongside lowly, just normal fishermen. He didn't go to the elite, to the educated. He saw their purpose. He saw their possibility. He called them just as they were, knowing that in walking with him, they would become what they were meant to be. They would eventually be the ones he would leave the church to. They would eventually be the ones that the church was built upon. So if you're sitting here today somehow thinking you're too far gone or that you've done too much to be forgiven or or, or capable of too little to be used, hear the promise of the heart of the missionary God that sent Jesus to enter in to our mess, to our need, to redeem us, restore us, give us purpose in a name, and make us who we were meant to be. And this is your promise, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus has done the work of making you worthy, of making you whole, of making you his. So Jesus is worthy of our lives of us following him, resulting in the transformation of our head, heart, and hands. So your opportunity, your opportunity today is to say to all the world, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ as we all commit to a journey of transformation together toward Jesus for the glory of God. Church, that's your call. If today you are not a Christ follower, hear the invitation. You don't, get, you don't have to make yourself worthy. You don't have to make yourself clean. You don't have to make yourself good enough. You don't have to, to build your way to hope in eternity. Jesus did that for you. So let me pray, and we'll continue in communion. So God, what a glorious, humbling promise we have in Christ. So I pray now as we continue just to worship through communion, as we think of your sacrifice and remember the laying down of your life and defeating sin and death and your resurrection, that we would see that same promise for us. You've invited us to surrender and lay down our life and be dead, dead, from, dead in sin but free in Christ. That you brought us to life. So Lord, we love you. Let us live a life unto you, just expressing the identity of who we are and doing it together. In Jesus' name, amen.